AFCON 2010. The trade show that you know where affiliates always attend for free makes its way to Denver June 21st through 23rd. Register today at AFFCON2010.com. AFCON 2010 is different from those other affiliate trade shows designed for the affiliate manager, where you can pay up to $1,500 just on a single registration. That's why AFCON 2010 offers you an alternative, a show that's free for affiliates, not to mention over 80% of our attendees are affiliates. AFCON 2010 brings you a wide range of sessions, essential for significant affiliate marketing achievement. Plus, we are proud to be working with Search Engine Strategies to present an additional day of all new search engine marketing sessions and tracks. Add unbeatable nighttime networking capped off by WebmasterRadio.fm's annual affiliate bash, and you have the complete affiliate trade show experience for free. Join the thousands in the affiliate marketing community that are making the switch to AFCON 2010, the trade show that's free for all affiliates. June 21st through 23rd in Denver. Register today at AFFCON2010.com. That's AFFCON2010.com. Feel you're getting the most out of your current affiliate marketing program? Find out as today's top advertisers and publishers unite on the all-new Affiliate Marketing Today. Join your hosts, Robin Walsh and Brian Caldwell, as they share valuable insights on promoting strategic relationships, discuss the state of the industry, and offer you a rare glimpse into the minds of today's top players. See how to get the most out of your affiliate marketing program now as we present the all-new Affiliate Marketing Today, the industry's only broadcast offering unique perspectives of both advertiser and publisher. Now, here are your hosts, Robin Walsh and Brian Caldwell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Affiliate Marketing Today. This is Brian Caldwell, your co-host. I'm here today with Robin Walsh, as always. How are you doing today, Robin? Doing great today. How are you? Excellent. Well, today, uh, being August 1st, we're going to be heading back to school soon. At least a lot of folks are, the little folks typically. And uh, we thought it might be an interesting show to talk about the loyalty model out there in affiliate land. Um, with us today to talk about loyalty programs and really to, to discuss and define the, the innermost workings of how loyalty marketing works in an affiliate channel, we're here with Mary Beth Padian, Senior Director of online of the online mall at Upromise, and Sandrine Thompson, the Senior Publisher Account Manager at Commission Junction. Welcome to you both. Hello. Great to be here. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. No problem. Well, last week we were talking about some interesting things, but today, you know, loyalty being foremost in, in the front of our minds uh, here at this large network we work for, and I'm sure also over at You Promise, um, we thought it might be also foremost in the minds of a lot of publishers in the world today, as well as a lot of advertisers looking to take advantage of the opportunity uh, of the timing that we're in today, August 1st, and we wanted to just dive into some of the details about what loyalty actually means. So why don't we kick this off um, with Mary Beth. And if you could maybe characterize some of the uh, aspects of, of what a loyalty program is, we thought that might be a great place to start. Absolutely. I mean, I could talk specifically about the different types of loyalty sites that are out there, um, if that's what you were looking for. For example, there are cashback sites uh, like Ebate, Shop at Home Select, cause-related sites, obviously You Promises One, School Pop, iGive, um, as well as customer points, rewards points. My points, American Airlines Advantage Mall. Um, there may be different types and different currencies that are out there, but the idea is that there is a community of people who is passionate about what the loyalty program 
has to offer to its members, whether it's shopping, whether it's deals, whether it's cause-related, those people shop through those loyalty portals, because that's what they are, they're portals, um, because they embrace whatever that loyalty program's message, or in the case of You Promise, mission is. Mm -hmm. And another thing that also distinguishes the membership of these sites is that they tend to be the savviest consumers on the Internet. Um, I find that working with the different publisher sites that there's very distinct um, differences between the memberships. But overall, I think the one thing that distinguishes uh, the members and the loyalty shopper is that they are the uber shoppers of the Internet who are extremely conscientious when they shop about getting some additional value for every purchase they make. Um, a question from the advertiser perspective uh, for either of you guys. Thinking about advertisers and, and how their uh, programs are set up, they're always looking for you know, new relationships and enhancing existing ones. How can advertisers really target the types of loyalty partners that they want to work with? Well, I think, and, and I'll start this one if that's okay, Sandrine, and then obviously you're in uh, closer touch with other publishers as well in terms of what they're looking for. But I know for us, when we're talking to our existing, pub or excuse me, existing advertisers or prospective ones, we want to help them get comfortable with who we are, what we do, how we do it, who our members are, what our company is, and what our mission is. Um, specifically, other loyalty sites obviously want to make sure that those advertisers are also comfortable with what they do and how they do it. Once you get sort of the beginning of that relationship and partnership, you can begin to figure out, okay, based on what that advertiser sells and the demographic they're going after, how does that match up the demographic of the particular loyalty site? You know, as Sandrine mentioned, most loyalty site members, especially the active shopper ones, are very savvy Internet shoppers. And are they savvy looking for a deal? Are they savvy trying to, you know, save time like soccer moms like our members? What specifically and where are those key matchups? between what the advertiser has to offer and what the publisher has to offer in terms of its membership base. You know, and one of the best ways to figure out at the onset of a relationship, um, any advertiser that's considering working with a loyalty site can easily ask them to share some of their demographics because mm -hmm. that's one of the um, great things about the loyalty programs is that they have been able to capture more information um, than a lot of other sites and who actually are their consumers, are their members, their membership base. So that's a good place to start. And then over time, you know, you promise or Ebates or any of the loyalty sites can tell you, you know, we see that these categories are really big with our membership. Thus, we feel like you will do really well with us. Or, you know, they can say the reverse. You know what? That category of products just hasn't proven to be a big seller with us. So you guys basically the loyalty publishers uh, should be providing a great deal of added value. Oh, they, they, it's an excellent way for an advertiser to really target what, who, they're, who they're approaching on the Internet. Mm -hmm. And also to be able to not only to, to target, as Sandrine said, but also you know, within an advertiser's um, publisher base, they obviously have different verticals. Um, so what may work in the loyalty vertical may not work in the coupon vertical. And I think one of the things that, that we've tried to ask of our, um, our advertisers is, hey, what's working with our competition? Because um, we all talk, competitors talk. I talk to Paul Nichols, I talk to Eva, I talk to Rob Grosshandler. You know, the loyalty affiliates talk to each other. And we talk about what works with different advertisers. And so we also love to know from those advertisers, not in any specific way uh, in terms of a specific publisher, but, hey, what are you seeing working well with loyalty sites? 
what are you seeing that you have out there that's going to drive new customers to you guys, knowing that's the biggest pain point and complaint about working with loyalty sites, but also increased spend, all those kind of levers that an advertiser is looking for that a loyalty program can help affect. Mary Beth, I want to go back to something you said a second ago because uh, I'm not sure our audience fully understands this. Uh, you said that what works for a coupon site might not work for a loyalty site or vice versa. Can you give mm-hmm. an example of that? Um, an example. So, yeah, not to put um, you on the spot. No, that's okay. I'm just trying to think if I do have an example of um, what could work. Well, part of it, too, so let's we, we touched on this a little bit um, yesterday, but the idea of compensation. So a coupon site, right, or a site who doesn't pass back um, anything to a member um, in terms of the, you know, sharing the commission, they might be very driven and have the ability to really push the heck out of a product in order to get a product bonus or to have a little bit more control on how they can push certain, um, certain sales during certain times to reach certain uh, sales commission bonus types. Whereas a loyalty site, because we are basing our pass back on the commission that we're paid, we'd much rather have a flat commission. And I say we, I'm speaking specifically of you promise, but, but I think a lot of other loyalty guys would agree. We would much rather have a flat commission whereby we could base back a flat um, percent to our members, um, which has a different trigger in terms of getting, um, getting people to shop and also in terms of the control that we actually have and what we can promote. Um, so I think there's there's differences there of things that will work well with a coupon site that might not work well with the loyalty site because the incentive to the site is there in the example of a coupon site, but the incentive to the member might not be able to change for that particular product or sales time. And another thing that um, is important is that, you know, differs site by site. There are some loyalty sites that actually are able to promote, promote product deals, mm-hmm. whereas I think for the most part product is not... Um, something that these these sites have a a strength in promoting. They're not going to be able to push out the latest Dell system, um, you know, latest components because and at their great lowest prices because that's just not the way they're structured. So the idea of, you know, the really the way to engage their consumer is through the amount that they're going to be able to receive on each purchase. And that's basically by helping the publisher, you know, come to that commission level that helps them pass back an amount that makes them that advertise competitive on their site. Um, Mary Beth, you mentioned a word that, that's sticking out in my mind um, that I, I do want to you know, discuss and make sure that we, we are making some good clarifications. Mm-hmm. And that was the word incentive. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about coupons, we talk about you know, cash back or point systems, which we do consider to be incentives to the end user to shop through these loyalty sites, but we also hear talk about different incentive publishers, um, and I know that they are very different models, which a lot of people get them a little bit confused. So sure. whether it be Sandrine or Mary Beth, thinking about an incentive publisher, what is a, a key or a few key differences between incentive and loyalty? Oh, Mary Beth, um, I'll, I'll, I'll start here, but um, I think you, you probably have can flesh it out a little bit more, but my understanding, uh, what I consider an incentive site is is there has to be something, the incentive sites only reward the consumer uh, for, for completing an action. Um, that's like they get something free in exchange for uh, either completing some sort of form or some sort of, uh, you know, process. Uh, and I, I don't necessarily think of uh, the word incentive when I think of the, the loyalty sites, even though, 
you know, the consumer is getting something back in exchange for their purchase, but um, it, I think it's a very different type of understanding between the consumer and the site. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that. And, and the, the challenge can be, too, I think, with any definition in any word, um, it doesn't necessarily always have a neat, you know, incentive equals Netflix, let's say, or incentive equals memo link, when, in fact, those two sites, for example, could be loyalty sites as well because you can shop online and get a percentage back on your purchase, which, again, is used to encourage repeat purchases through that site. We have a few offers on you promise, for example, that don't necessarily work as well as a continual reward on continual spend, but for a few things like Netflix, right? Sorry, not a CJ publisher but or advertiser, <laughs> but when you, sign up for, um, when you sign up for Netflix, it's a flat bounty fee. So technically, it's an incentive to join Netflix, and you are rewarded by our currency, which are college savings. So I think the two can absolutely exist hand-in-hand, hand, and I don't think there should be negative connotations attached to either. Um, I think, back to Sandrine's point, it literally depends on the offer within the site. So one is actually an incentive to win something, which is the, the traditional incentive path, okay. and one is an incentive to continue to shop as you normally would. That's right. way of just... just well, to win something or complete an action, I think. I don't really think of winning. Again, I think it can. the term incentive can be applied to a lot of different things, as can loyalty, within the same site. Um, you know, I think of here's an incentive to complete an action. It's a one-time thing. Here's a reward, and you could say here's a reward, right, for doing an action and doing a one-time thing. So loyalty site, reward site, incentive sites, um, we're all getting all, all members thing, whether one-time or ongoing for changing their behavior and doing something different. Okay. Well, maybe one other difference to draw for advertisers then is that the type of traffic or the quality of traffic that's generated from various types. And I know we don't want to go off too much on this, but you know, we do want to remain focused on the, the loyalty model. Mm-hmm. But uh, do you want to speak at all to the quality of, of the visitors that you're bringing to an advertiser? Well, I think that goes back to that. I'm happy to speak about the quality of visitors, and it goes back sort of to the demographics. I mean, again, these are, at least in the case of You Promise, these are members who are either parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, um, family, friends, who are interested in helping their loved ones, whether they be, you know, again, children, nieces and nephews, grandchildren, um, help put a little away towards uh, the very high cost of a college education. So they have changed, which is what every loyalty program asks. We're asking you to not buy anymore. We're asking you to buy in a different way. We're asking you to buy through, in this case, you promise, so that you can help a family, help a child achieve the dream of a college education. So because those members have bought into our mission, if you will, and I don't mean to say bought into it, they believe in our mission, Mm -hmm. they are very focused on knowing that when they shop, when they want to buy something online, they start at ePromise. So they're not necessarily browsers, which is why we have a a very high in the the double digits conversion rate for almost all of our advertisers. We have a higher average order size because these people are, they're motivated to shop when they come to the site. They want to shop, and they're not quite as price sensitive because they're getting something back for a mission that is near and dear to their heart um, when they do shop. So it can absolutely, you know, a loyalty site can act- absolutely bring more qualified traffic just by nature of the fact that these aren't necessarily searchers; they're shoppers. Well, why don't we pause here? We, we, 
I think we've done a great introduction of the show topic. We're going to dive into some more of the details, uh, but right now we need to keep the lights on and keep our sponsors happy. So we're going to go out and take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Sandrine and Mary Beth to talk about, uh, more about uh, the wealthy model. Be right back. You're just minutes away from more Affiliate Marketing Today. Stay tuned. Dude, fishing in Costa Rica is going to be awesome. Amen, bro. Now that ValueClick Media had netted FastClick, we've got one of the largest online advertising networks fishing us for big bucks. You know, while we're out catching snapper. Hey, Steve, you're coming too, right? No, I'm still using BanazRUs.com. I can't afford to be away. You've got to work with ValueClick Media. i got this great account manager who's easy to work with, and they have access to the best advertisers and earn me high rates. Don't worry. We'll bring back pictures. Yeah, terrific. Visit ValueClick Media now and click on Solutions for Publishers for more details value click media once a tool used exclusively for communicating with the media pr web was the first company to develop a distribution strategy around direct to consumer communication by implementing web 2.0 technologies pr web has completed the online communication loop by directly engaging your audience with your news for example pr web is the first newswire to integrate press release trackback whether you want to dominate your market or just make a little noise. PR Web is here to help you thrive in the marketplace and the media. PR Web. Now, back to Affiliate Marketing Today, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Welcome back to Affiliate Marketing Today. I'm Robin Walsh, here with my co-host, Brian Caldwell. Just a reminder, you can hear us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or you can find us, uh, our recorded archive, at webmasterradio.fm. So we're here talking about um, loyalty, and, and our, our title of today's show is, you know, a theme for back to school, which is today's lecture on loyalty. And we're speaking with Mary Beth Tadian, Senior Director of Online Mall at UPromise, and Sandrine Thompson, who's our Senior Publisher Account Manager at Commission Junction. I think it would be a great time for the ladies to give, you know, a quick one-minute intro as to really who you guys are, what experience you have, and, and um, how it relates to loyalty publishers and, and why you guys are, you know, some of the experts in this industry. Okay, why don't I go ahead and start. Uh, this is Sandrine uh, Thompson. I work at Commission Junction on the publisher development team. And I have been fortunate to work with some of the uh, loyalty publishers that are in the network. My job is to help those publishers grow their advertiser affiliations. So that's you know, helping them you know, understand the opportunities that are out there and connecting them with the advertisers who, in turn, are hoping, uh, looking to partner more closely with the loyalty sites in the network. And uh, the irony, of course, in, in introducing myself is I used to, um, what seems like multiple years ago, but was really only, I think, four years ago, um, did a similar job uh, as Sandrine working for BeFree. I managed the, uh, we used to call them affiliates back then, but I managed all the loyalty publishers. So um, uh, after leaving BeFree, I went on to work at School Pop, and now I'm at Promise. So I've been in the, the online loyalty space for well over five years and feel very uh, passionate about it. And uh, as I mentioned before, honored to be a part of this broadcast. Great. You guys know the industry, and we're going to dig in a little deeper and, and really dive into um, loyalty sites and how do they really work. Um, there, are, there are a few different subjects that I think uh, pop into people's minds when thinking about loyalty. Um, and one that I think that we should 
get started with and, and kind of get it out of the way is actually looking at software and, or downloads. Um, that's been uh, a big concern within um, you know, the affiliate marketing industry for you know, probably about two years now. And it is something that is associated with some loyalty marketing. So I'd love to, to hear, uh, Mary Beth, from you, what you use software for and, and why it is um, something that, that makes sense for the business and makes sense for the advertisers and the customers. Absolutely. And I think the answer to your last question can also be begun with a response to your first question, which is sort of how do loyalty sites work. Right, the goal of a loyalty site, specifically online, is to make sure that its members always remember to start their online shopping through that loyalty site. Because as we all know, that is the only way the transaction will track through the network and track back to that member so that they can get rewarded with points, cash, college savings, whatever the, uh, whatever the currency is. As a consumer, right, a consumer may feel very passionately about Ebates getting their cash back, about you know, epilepsy.com through mall networks, but they don't always remember to start their online shopping at that particular site. They meant to. They didn't. They completed their purchase when they remembered, oh, no, I am not going to give back to this cause. I'm not going to get cash back. In response to that consumer concern, software products such as Top Moxie, or I should say software companies such as Top Moxie, came up with a solution, a solution that would allow members, when they chose to download this software, to receive their currency when and if they forgot to start their shopping at that particular online loyalty site. What's been interesting, and having mentioned before that I was in Sandrine's position, I've been on both sides of this, uh, of this issue. And as a consumer, I understand why, and we hear from our members why, and our particular Top Moxie product is called Remind You, why they like it. Because when they do forget, and we always hear they try to remember, but they don't. When they do forget, they still get their college savings. I believe, not I believe, I know where software and where the, the networks have really stepped up, where software went down and, and caused it to become a bad term, and where the networks stepped up, especially CJ in terms of the, the code of conduct, is okay, just like any, anything, any product, not all products are alike. Not all products follow the rules. Well, the rules got established four-plus years ago. How should a software product that an affiliate site is using or a publisher site behave? Mm -hmm. And so because of the code of conduct, because of CJ's network quality, I can speak at least to you promise that, and I think any actual publisher who's still in the network, um, they have passed strict network quality to make sure that that download, that software, passes the code of compliance, make sure that it isn't doing what it shouldn't do. Software is not inherently bad. And no. I think that's what uh, is often overlooked, is just that there have been a few actions in the past by publishers who did not follow the rules that have really sort of soured the, um, the word software um, altogether. Uh, but what has to be remembered is, what is the customer's intent when they're making that purchase? Mm -hmm. And that's exactly where it is that customer's intent. Um, and also, to the customer's ignorance, because why should they know ignorance about how affiliate marketing works? Once mm -hmm. they click on a YouPromise link, let's say they click from, you know, on Gap, they go to Gap uh, through YouPromise, they don't know how that software works. They truly assume that Gap knows what they're doing on their site and is going to give money back, and they care about their child's education, which they do, but the enabling technology for that caring is through Commission Junction, is through the affiliate network. 
So, so we've had a few members ask because they, you know, they Google, you promise, oh, I saw this posting that you promise is doing something bad. Why is it bad? Well, I don't understand. So, again, it goes back to the consumer expectations and consumer needs, you know, along with, as Sandrine said, some bad apples. So, Mary Beth, maybe taking your, your promise hat off for a second and putting on your, your, your past hat as a, as a BFAS, uh, be free person. And Sandrine, um, you know, based on your experience, when a, a publisher is intending to use software, what would you expect them to do, and how would you um, propose that they approach advertisers from a you know, positioning standpoint so that you know, everything that they do is above board and, and known to the advertiser? How would, how, would they, how would you suggest that they position themselves so that they can create the right affiliations? Oh, well, with, in working with the platforms, we always, whenever we hear of a, a site that's you know, either starting to use software or in, going down the road of using it, we want them to partner with the platform, talk to us so that we um, can give them our best recommendations about what their software should and shouldn't do. We have the code of conduct and we have the PSA. Uh, we just want to go over it you know, with them and say, this is what we see uh, good software doing, and we ideally would like your software to operate in this way. Um, and even if they're going to do something different, then again, just you know, work with the platform to find the best way to create that software so that it, it meets all the code of conduct. And more importantly, be extremely conscientious about how your distribution is going to be handled mm-hmm. because that is how a lot of the uh, publishers uh, ran into problems about two years ago when uh, the distribution that they were partnering with uh, were doing things that they didn't know about um, or that they knew about and didn't report. So that's where the problems really begin. It's like when you develop a software that doesn't follow the COC and when you partner with a distrib- distributor who isn't doing things by the book. Absolutely. And I think from a, you know, from a general publisher point of view, if you're looking to you know, establish software, uh, you know, in addition to talking to the networks, talking to somebody like CJ ahead of time, which is very key, before the product's launched, if you can, the thing you want to do in, in um, conjunction with that is speak directly to your advertisers. Let them know what you're doing. Show them examples of it. Let them download a beta version if possible. Answer up front those top five questions you know you're going to get. And any publisher with a download can tell you these, these top five questions. Number one, do you bundle? Number two, will it be you know, compliant with the code of conduct? Number three, do members have to positively opt in to have it downloaded, or is it opted out? Number four, how are you going to promote it? How are members going to find out about that? And number five, you know, the question that, that I think leads into something else we're going to talk about, as an advertiser, do I have the option or not of um, deciding not to be included in that software? And if you can address those five concerns up front and really begin the dialogue as a partner, you're not on the defensive. You're being proactive. You're explaining to them, here's what we're doing for our business, and here's why. And if you can't have that conversation with an advertiser, then you, you know, and, and you, you're not too sure about um, really why you're doing it other than just to grow sales, then perhaps you shouldn't have a software product. I think that's a great point. Looking at loyalty publishers, being a loyalty company, understanding you're not just building loyalty with the customer, you're building loyalty with these advertisers. And I think mm-hmm. that's a great philosophy to have, and it, it builds into the whole philosophy of loyalty marketing. Well, it has to. I mean, I, I joked about this a few years ago, and I think I, I uh, uh, when I was at Be Free, uh, I give Rob Grosshandler, I, I uh, 
um, gave him this term that he could use, and it was a term from a Disney movie. It's the circle of love. And it sounds really cheesy, <laughs> but the whole idea is it is a circle of love. You have the publisher, you have the network, and you have the advertiser. And if someone in that circle isn't happy, then the circle breaks. And what's the key to keeping you know, a, a circle together? It's communication. It's understanding where the other person's coming from, as well as being really clear where you're coming from as a company. So software is a, is a big conversation, and I think we did a very good job of outlining it. Thank you very much for your comments on that. I, I think we're going to uh, put that one to rest and move on to uh, other ways that loyalty um, publishers are, are driving new customers. Uh, for example, are, are you using coupons or special offers or product merchandising in offline or, or online areas? Absolutely. I mean, I can speak specifically to you, Promise, if you'd like, in terms of how we drive new new members. Right? There's a there's a unique advertisers have customers, loyalty sites, loyalty publishers have members. And so when you talk about who owns the customer, I think you're having a uh, and I know I'm jumping ahead. You promise we own our members, right? They have come to us, they've signed up and they've decided to shop at one or all of our four hundred and thirty online online merchants. That merchant owns the customer. And what we would love to do, um, and what we have done with a lot of our co branded pieces, is both of us talk to the member. So just to put an underline under that, there's there's memberships, or members rather, and yeah. customers. And exactly. One person can be both, and that makes a lot of sense. And one person is both. And you know, right. a, uh, Barnes and Noble will talk to their customer differently than you promise will talk to its member. Now so, we could talk together. You promise in Barnes and Noble to our members the combination of Barnes and Noble's you know free shipping over twenty five and the fact you get two percent college savings. Um, but inherently, when we're talking, having individual discussions with either that customer from a merchant perspective or that member from a loyalty perspective, they're different conversations. And, you know, I think the a thing that's not often recognized from the advertiser perspective is that, you know, as, as a member of a loyalty site, you actually have a greater incentive to shop through merchants that you may never have even thought of shopping through before. Just the fact that they're on the site that you are loyal to and that you can get um, a cash back or points or or money into a a college fund uh, makes you want to shop through merchants that hadn't really even occurred to you before. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really great point, Sandrine, Um, because obviously there's a lot of brands that are very well known because they spend time building their own brands, such as as Gap and Barnes and Noble, and so on. However, those little niche players probably don't get as much love and attention from the general publisher population simply because they're kind of an unknown quotient. But mm-hmm. um, you know, folks like Mary Beth and you promise that can focus on those niche players and expose their members in a positive way to a brand new experience. Uh, I was just going to ask, thinking about the the different types of merchants or advertisers that you you're placing on the site, are you trying to give them you know a wide variety within specific product categories to give your users the the most selection, or are you looking to really partner with you know the the cream of the crop advertisers that are going to offer the best user experience for your members? I mean, we have, um, and, and this year, different from last, we've taken a more strategic approach in terms of adding new advertisers to our site because we do want to fill in those specific categories where we feel like um, we do not have a very robust offering in terms of choices for our members, um, as well as limit the addition of advertisers um, in certain categories such as flowers where we're over full, and especially something like a commo- more commoditized like flowers um, we're not doing the members a benefit by 
having them choose from 24 different flower merchants. Uh, I think, too, that that more proactive approach on our side goes into your second question, Robin, about, you know, how do you make sure that you are offering the cream of the crop to your members? And the cream of the crop may not necessarily be those well-known brands if there isn't a fit, but the cream of the crop could be product-specific um, product-specific companies, like Music Space, for example, right? Their kids bought promotion that they run once a year. I mean, that is um, a combination of an amazing demographic matchup and something that maybe we can introduce to our members that they may not have heard of Music Space. I know I didn't until I worked at BeFree. Um, so I, I think the two go the two go hand in hand. Well, you know, another thing there is that also the um, the level of service. I mean, the you promise by putting an advertiser onto its site, um, feel some sort of responsibility for the customer experience. Uh, actually, I feel that that's true with all loyalty sites because mm-hmm. they, do, they have a community of members who have joined their site um, and expect that the advertisers that they're shopping through actually deliver a level of service. And if they don't, then, you know, uh, you, you promise hears about it and, and vice versa. It can it, you promise probably judges many of the merchants that they add to their site based on, you know, what kind of a customer experience they're going to offer. So sometimes a site that doesn't have a lot of um, name recognition, the fact that they have a strong customer base that feels like they deliver the best service can be a, a real value to every loyalty site because, you know, those are the kind of sites that, that deserve more recognition. Absolutely, and I think you'll find throughout the industry as well, I know that Ebates, for example, they always place a, a, a test order with any new merchant they add on because they want to replicate what their members are going to experience because if, it, if, there is a, if there is an issue, they will be the first to hear about it. That's and true. That advertiser may lose one customer. That loyalty site is going to lose a member who could have shopped at over 100 different customers. That's true. I, always, I consider the uh, loyalty sites to be the bellwethers because they're always um, going to be able to uh, pick up on any um, problems or uh, situations that need to be addressed more quickly than anyone else. And I think, unfortunately, with that bellwether status comes the reputation that loyalty sites are high maintenance just because of that, because we, we represent um, a membership base and a very vocal one. Right, but that's well, point. high maintenance might come with high volume. That's the the, pro, you know, the upside for the advertiser. Um, just quickly, uh, you made a, a great point there that loyalty sites and, and others will typically place a test order. Mm-hmm. Um, not to take us off on a tangent there, but is there a typical uh, recommended way of doing test orders that advertisers like if someone is to, to, to do that? It depends on, on how, and I don't know, Ebates could probably speak more specifically to that. I know we don't do that, even though we should, and if we do buy something, um, so I don't know. I, I don't believe that actually the idea would be you wouldn't tell the advertiser you were placing a test order because, of course, that test order that's getting placed for a potential high-volume publisher is going to get the white glove treatment. You do a test order, right, and then possibly return it because you also want to see how the merchant's return policy is, um, whether or not it comes through in the feed, what have you. Um, you want to you want to go in doing that as if you were Joe Consumer because that's who your member is. That's also a really good point. So there, you're you're not only concerned with the customer experience, the conversion rate. Obviously, that directly relates to your revenue, but also the return policy. So that you're taking care of your member base and not mm-hmm. just treating someone as a as a pass through one time only customer for the advertiser. Absolutely. I mean, we we are as committed to they are as making sure that we send repeat customers to them. And again, we have an exponential. There's an exponential effect if we lose a member because of something one advertiser did or didn't do, and that happens. 
why don't we move on to another question here, and, and then we'll take a, a quick break again. If an advertiser is looking to, to work with loyalty publishers, what do you need as a loyalty pub to succeed? Where do you start, huh, Mary Beth? I don't know. <laughs> Alphabetical. Big open in the question. That's the whole point of the show. It gives you well, lots to talk about. Got your wish list out there now. Well, I Andrew, think one of the, start with the... Yeah, I was just going to say, just sort of, uh, we'll start with some broad brushstrokes and then work our way down. Uh, but, you know, one of the things when I'm, I'm working with advertisers and trying to introduce a relationship with the, one of the loyalty sites is that, you know, they, these are sites that um, benefit... Uh, much more uh, from an advertiser who is open to some really strong communication channels, you know, is willing to talk with the, these publishers, you know, creatively about, you know, how they can drive traffic because they have uh, more resources than some sites. Uh, because they do have a membership, they have more resources to uh, be creative with how they speak to their members. So the only way that we can be creative is to have a strong um, communication. And so I always like, you know, Start every you know f um, relationship off with a phone call between the affiliate manager and the uh, merchant relations uh, representative at the publisher, so we can talk about you know understand what the advertiser's goals are for the program. It's it's often easy just to say, well, I want to grow my sales, but it's usually much more than that. If you drill down and really talk it through, you know, there's usually you know, new customers they're trying to gain. And what does a new customer mean to that advertiser so that the publisher, in turn, can use all of their resources to be as creative and as effective at promoting the products? I think it also, too, having that, that initial discussion, and, and you could even broaden it outside, not just the loyalty site, but really any site who you see is a potential, you know, big volume driver, to have those initial discussions just to set expectations, right? We each have managers and managers have managers and we're all past at the end of the day, the end of the month, the end of the quarter to reach certain goals. Well, this is a partnership, right? If a merchant tells me or an advertiser tells me, here are my goals, right? Here is what I'm going to be gold on, paid on, keep my job on in terms of uh, the affiliate program. I can work with them to figure out how can specifically you promise or how could if you were any, you know, similar position as mine in a, in a, in a, in a publisher program, how can my, you know, how, how can we help you meet those goals? And a lot of times having those initial discussions sometimes, and it's rare, but it happens, and I'm sure this has happened um, with some of your publishers, Sandrine, you might find out that you can't help them meet their goals, mm -hmm. that it just isn't going to work. And you know what? It's better to know that now after the first date than a few weeks into the relationship when un, um, unrealistic expectations may have been set on either side without a conversation. That's and unfortunately, right. we've had that happen a few times. Well, I think let's pause the conversation there. Um, this is a great conversation. We can keep going and going and going. But, you know, the, uh, the sponsors like to get their commercial breaks in here from time to time. So we'll be right back with more affiliate marketing today after these quick messages. You're just minutes away from more Affiliate Marketing Today. Stay tuned.
With over 30,000 clients and eight years of experience, West Host is not your basement hosting company. Starting at $3.95 a month, West Host offers the lowest price virtual private server technology in the industry, yet they don't sacrifice their world-class data center or superior 24-7 client support. Sign up at westhost.com today and get the hosting technology and real support your business needs at prices you can't find from other hosts. Westhost.com. That's Westhost.com. W-E-S-T-H-O-S-T.com. When you expect more from your web host. Google AdSense. How do I earn from thee? Let me count the ways. Google, you enable me to show targeted ads complementing my site so my visitors keep clicking throughout the day and night. It was so easy to apply and select the ad formats I liked. Since I've discovered AdSense, I've been filled with delight. So earn more with matching ads and you too can discover how. Just visit google.com slash AdSense now. Google.com slash AdSense. Now, back to Affiliate Marketing Today, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host... Welcome back to Affiliate Marketing Today. I'm Robin Walsh here with Brian Caldwell. And we're talking to Mary Beth Padian and Sandrine Thompson about loyalty. And uh, we were leaving off talking about opportunities and what the loyalty publishers need to succeed. Um, one item that, that I, we do want to address before moving off of that subject is looking at, you know, what types of advertisers are a good fit with respect to these loyalty publishers. Um, and I know that one item that we didn't talk about, um, we're kind of assuming some retailers here, but we also have a lot of lead programs. So, Sandrine, seeing as how you, you work with uh, a number of different loyalty programs, I'd love to hear your feedback on, on how good of a fit um, lead programs are with loyalty publishers. You know, lead programs uh, can do extremely well with these publishers, but there has to be some caveats, which is, you know, the uh, publisher um, will often, you know, be that that one um, real view into some of the flaws of the lead program's advertiser's uh, website um, in the sense of fraud because there is, um, you know, it, it does exist out there. There are a number of people that join loyalty sites as members specifically in order to take advantage of some of the um, the flaws in an advertiser's credit card processing system. So I think that there's a huge opportunity for you know success with the programs, but the advertiser needs to be extremely cognizant of the fact that you know if they do have uh, credit card verification that it's on its lowest verisign setting or which doesn't do a match against the name or against the zip code, uh, that could lead into problems. But you know I feel that that is a very minute part of the relationship. I'd say I see it happen in about five percent of relationships. Um, all of which are fixable as soon as it's brought to the attention of the publisher or the advertiser. And again, it requires the publisher and advertiser working closely together to identify that problem and fixing it. But uh, lead programs are, are, are great for these types of sites because it's, um, it's probably uh, getting users who hadn't thought about taking advantage of different opportunities and not knowing, first of all, that they could probably you know, get something back in exchange for you know, completing a, a, a a loan lead or completing or getting their DSL online through UPromise or Ebates. They can actually, you know, get something back in exchange for doing that. I can sort of give you the flip side of that and some of our challenges, and I don't know, I, I would imagine other, especially cause-related sites, have an issue with lead programs only because we're looking to, to build long-term value and long-term loyalty 
with our members. Uh, and oftentimes a one-off payment for what could be a continuing service doesn't necessarily lead to that long-term loyalty. Um, and we've tried, and unfortunately unsuccessfully, to talk to a lot of lead merchants um, to say, listen, pay us, you know, we don't want $50 when somebody signs up. We, we want a percent every month because that's going to meet two goals. One, it's going to meet your goal of once you acquire that customer, you can keep them because every month they're going to see in their ePromise account that that lead advertiser is giving them something back for remaining with that lead advertiser's service. And number two, it confirms our mission of helping families save for college by getting money back every day for what they do. So for us, lead programs have not been that successful um, with some, obviously, some, some, big, uh, uh, some big exceptions, but very few exceptions, just because, for us anyway, it does not fit into, um, into cause-related marketing. Yeah, and that's, that's a very good example of how the different um, sites actually can have different strengths. Exactly, and finding it out and, again, having those conversations to begin with. And this kind of brings us into kind of the, the overall value of a loyalty site, thinking about um, some folks who have, um, you know, subscription-based programs and can they share a percentage of that, basically do a rev share ongoing as long as that customer stays with um, the service provider. Now, thinking about other kind of benefits or, or values that, that are brought into or brought to advertisers from loyalty sites. Um, I'd love to hear, you know, Mary Beth and Sandrine from both of you, when you're pitching a loyalty site to an advertiser, where are normally the top one or two uh, value points that, that you're pitching to try and get them to sign up with this, with this publisher? I can start with ours in terms of you promise. Our number two, you know, the, the top two value points we can bring to, um, to an advertiser and work with us is, um, access to 7.3 million members, a majority of which usually hit their sweet spot. Uh, and number two, we can bring to them, as compared to the other, or the other publishers in their program, we can bring them higher average si order size, um, more repeat spend, and uh, better conversion. You know, I'm often in a position of uh, pitching it both ways. So I'll go ahead. So when I'm pitching a an advertiser to uh, the publisher, um, I'll, I'll try and highlight, you know, the fact that this advertiser already has a lot of uh, people that shop through them, and it would only be a service for the publisher to put this on their site so they can expose their membership to uh, already a very popular retailer. Um, on the flip side, whenever I have to pitch a publisher to an advertiser, you know, it depends on what that advertiser is selling. But generally, I think it boils down to the fact that this is an opportunity for them to develop uh, a following with a group of people who are rabid shoppers. They're the kind of people that make raving fans. You know, they are out there sharing information about the different merchants and talking about them and, and shopping through them because they have learned by talking throughout, you know, on the Internet what makes these retailers great. Um, from my perspective, I will actually add in, um, you know, speaking from a, a position at Commission Junction and, and often trying to pitch some of these programs to my advertisers, um, one of the, the 
biggest benefits that I see is that, that most loyalty programs, especially the ones that are, have been out there for a while, and, and they're, they're, they're very savvy. They understand Internet marketing. They understand relationship marketing. They understand um, you know, a lot of the technologies that are required uh, for affiliate marketing in general. So it's, it's a much easier sale, and I feel more confident oftentimes saying, hey, this publisher is going to do well for you, and they're going to be a valued partner. I know they're going to respond to your email. I know they're going to be up for hopping on a call with you to, to talk about the program, to talk about concerns, or talk about you know new kind of business development type opportunities. That's absolutely true. They're probably the most engaged publishers we work with. Definitely. Um, one question that, that does come up, and I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but thinking about you know we, those secondary goals. So most programs, that, at least for retailers, the top goal is you know top line revenue, and then secondary goals are oftentimes profitability and uh, new customers. Can Mary Beth, could you address those two items? And you know. It, does it make sense from for, for a marketing perspective to partner with loyalty sites to drive those secondary goals? I, I think it does, again, going back to that initial conversation, right? So if those secondary goals, if you are tasked with bringing in 100% new to file every month for whatever program you have, then you know what? A loyalty site isn't for you. Um, I don't know what site actually would be good for you if you were looking for 100% new to file, but I would imagine there are some programs out there. Um, but if your secondary goals, you know, have to do with um, increasing, I believe you mentioned, Robin, increasing not just top-line revenue but also new-to-file um, reactivation of existing customers, which is something we try to talk to our advertisers about when we do have those discussions. Mm -hmm. So everybody knows, right, whether it's, a, um, whether it's an advertiser or a publisher, there's a certain cost to acquiring a new member or a new customer. And you know, amortizing that cost, whatever that is, can take a month, can take a year, can never be amortized, can never be fully amortized, so you've never really, you have negative value customers. Well, in addition to being able to target new customers for an advertiser, which we can do via new customer offers that an advertiser gives us, because we as a loyalty site have no idea who our members are already customers with in terms of the advertiser community, but if you as an advertiser can give me an offer and can recognize on your own back end that this is a new customer to your file, then, yeah, we'll put up those offers till the day is long just in order to help attract those. But if you as an advertiser, and a lot of them don't, right, don't have such a system whereby you can recognize real-time at checkout that that's a new-to-file customer, if you guys can't recognize it, how do you expect a loyalty site to do it? How do you expect any site to do it? Like with any consumer, any consumer action you want them to take, you need to give them an incentive to take that action. And we'll, we, you know, we can do our best. I think any loyalty or publisher site will do their best. But without that specific lever to attract new customers, knowing that as a new customer they'll get something else, something different, something special, it's going to be an uphill battle. It's going to be an uphill battle for you to reach those goals and something we've encouraged our advertisers to go back and talk to their managers about, their, you know, the other side of the coin the other side of the building sometimes, to go say, hey, you want me to do this, but I don't have the tools to do it. Right. Well, that's a very good point, is that uh, often we, I see at least that the publisher can do um, as much as, as, as possible, but if the advertiser isn't able to provide uh, the metrics or pull the right metrics that allow the publisher to work as effectively as possible, <laughs> well, then it's almost like, well, you know, 
we think they're doing well, but we're not sure, or the advertiser makes the assumption that the publisher isn't driving the right kind of customer, but in reality, their data is um, not complete. Or so, they don't know the definition. Sorry to interrupt, Sandrine. Mm-hmm. Or they don't know, or that publisher doesn't know the, the advertiser's definition of the right kind of customer. Exactly. That can also happen, too, because that advertiser either hasn't decided themselves or, isn't, um, or hasn't shared it with their, I mean, heck, let's just, we, what is affiliate marketing? What are affiliates? They're an extension of your sales force. If you don't employ your sales force with the right data and the right information, how do you expect them to sell anything for you and sell them the right way? That's a great point, and with that note, it's actually about time for another break. Here's a message from our sponsors. We'll be back. You're just minutes away from more Affiliate Marketing Today. Stay tuned. affiliate program to partner with? Hey, all we're trying to do is make the most money in the least amount of time. The answer is simple. JoeBucks.com, the world's leading herbal affiliate program. JoeBucks.com is the direct manufacturer, so there's no middleman. This will allow you to make up to 50% the highest payouts on the net and also get paid twice a month. Sign up today and watch your income grow. JoeBucks.com. It's no secret. Linking with relevant sites is a dynamic way to enhance site traffic. Avoid using unethical practices to promote your website. Obtain quality, relevant links with linksmanager.com. Since 1999, linksmanager.com has been the leading choice for managing link campaigns by thousands of websites. Editor-based link management software makes relevant link exchange ethical, fast, and easy. No software to install. Free unlimited support. Try linksmanager.com free for 30 days. Accept no limitations. Now, back to Affiliate Marketing Today, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Welcome back to Affiliate Marketing Today. This is your co-host, Brian Caldwell. I'm here with Robin Walsh, and we're speaking with Sandrine Thompson and Mary Beth Padian from You Promise. Um, now, Sandrine, I, I know you had a topic that you wanted to, to bring up here, and I know this is the last section of the show, so um, let's jump right over to that, because it definitely affects um, not only the the publisher's bottom line, but also the customer experience. So, um, not to be <laughs> too cagey on this, what, what was the topic that you wanted to discuss? <laughs> the topic is uh, missing orders and or missing transactions, as they're often called. And the idea is that they're missing because they're not showing up in the publisher's uh, reports that they are receiving from the platforms. Uh, and so what's happened is that a customer... Has usually the way that the uh, cycle begins is the customer contacts the loyalty site and says, you know, I placed an order with this merchant on this date. Um, you know, I received the product. You know, I can tell you that the order did occur, and I believe I used a, a link from your site to make the purchase, but it's not showing up in my account. And so can you please help me find what happened? And so that's where the publisher, you know, either contacts the advertiser or works with the platform directly to try and receive credit on behalf of that customer. And what an advertiser needs to recognize is that the publishers are pursuing this transaction, even though you know it could be a very small thing in the scope of everything that the advertiser is doing. The publisher is pursuing this transaction because it is a customer request. It is uh, customer-generated, and it is important for it to have a positive customer experience for the publisher to receive an answer on that. And the reason I really want to talk about this is because I don't, I don't think that that 
uh, component is recognized when missing transactions are submitted to advertisers, that these are, uh, it's creating a customer service issue for the publisher to not be able to either respond one way or another that, you know, the order wasn't tracked, I'm sorry, we can't give you your points or your cash back, or yes, it was, and great, here, we're going to credit your account. Mm-hmm. The thing is that some resolution needs to be, um, you know, brought to the table. Um, and so I am just wanted to talk about that because I feel like it's uh, not well understood about, you know, what constitutes it and why it creates a, an issue for the publisher. And Absolutely. something to, to bring up from the advertiser perspective, Sandra, you and I have actually talked about missing orders quite a bit. Um, from an actual advertiser standpoint, and I actually used to be in the advertiser's shoes, so I would actually see people contacting me to say, hey, I want credit for this order, and I would look up their account, and they've already had credit from you know, a different loyalty site, but they're trying to, to get credit for you know, a secondary loyalty site, so they're trying to work the system a little bit. Granted, that's not the norm. It is a small percentage, but it is something that is a concern that advertisers will basically have to, to double pay, not just within affiliates, but also within their other marketing channels. So looking at where is the original referral source of this missing order, is it through the affiliates? If not, is it attributed to another marketing channel? Um, if it's attributed to another channel, for example, if somebody came through um, a, a search engine campaign, then we know that that source code was associated, did not come through from the last visit from the affiliate. So there's definitely concerns from the advertiser perspective. I can tell you what, what I kind of feel are best practices, and I'd love to hear kind of what, what you think also. Looking at, um, you know, if you have missing orders, which many uh, loyalty programs do have because their customers do take the time to, to pay attention so that they're getting their cash back or their um, miles or whatever offer it is, that you, the advertiser, look at those orders. If they did not come through another channel, so for example, you have not paid another channel for that referral, the default should be to, to give them the benefit of the doubt and pay out on that order. Um, not all advertisers agree with this, but that's kind of been my stance with respect to, you know, how do we balance the, the playing field and, and make it as fair as possible for everybody. The other thing, too, that the advertiser would want to do, and it's something we do before we even ask an advertiser to look into an order, is to have the publisher confirm that a click actually occurred on that merchant link or links um, around the time, either within their return days or what have you, so that they, the publisher themselves is convinced and has confirmed that that particular member who's making that inquiry has actually made you know, a click um, to, that, to that advertiser. Because return days are great things. Consumers don't understand them. Mm-hmm. So in that case of sometimes they got credit first from another loyalty program, to give the consumer the benefit of the doubt, they may not have known they did that. So they were thinking that, you know, they originally, they may have forgotten they went through one affiliate site after they went through, let's say, UPromise, and they're only looking in their UPromise account. Is there a way for, and not to, to throw this on the loyalty pu- publisher's laps, but is there a way for the loyalty publisher to, to try and educate their members as to how this all works and why it's important to click back through and or make sure you have your cookies enabled and, and your the timeline for that credit with respect to a specific advertiser. Is there a way that, that you guys could help with that process? Absolutely. You know, and if you look at any loyalty sites FAQs, you'll see that it's already there. You know, how do I ensure that I always get cash back or I always get college savings when I shop online through X site? Well, it's very clearly laid out, and it should be something an advertiser should look for, right? Talk about looking for quality of who you're working for, working with. 
make sure that they do have that laid out in their FAQs, along with the timeline. All of the big loyalty sites have a timeline of when you can expect to see your whatever in the account. And if you didn't, here are the steps. A, here are the things you need to confirm before you contact us, and then here are the things we need when you do contact us. So yeah, that education that... is already out there without going really behind the, the Wizard of Oz curtain to see what goes on in affiliate marketing. Yeah, and I, I find that that's pretty consistent. But, you know, there are, are a number of reasons orders don't track. Um, so, you know, human error is probably a big one. But <laughs> there's just, you know, uh, conflict, conflicting cookies. Um, so all we ask, really, um, on behalf of the publishers is that I ask that advertisers, you know, be cognizant of the fact that, uh, you know, some response is needed. If it is affiliate um, attributed to a different channel for the advertiser, well, then that's an answer in itself. Exactly. Uh, it's not the best answer that the, uh, a publisher wants to take back to their member, but it is some answer that the customer can understand. Mm-hmm. And we're not, you know, we are, to your point, Sandrine, we're happy with any answer. And without an answer, there's just the assumption that um, the, the advertiser doesn't care about the relationship and, and more concerning, doesn't care about the shared member-customer relationship. So I think that the punchline here is, is, A, open up the channels of communication between the publisher, the advertiser, and the end user uh, so everybody has their expectations set from the start. And just, you know, keep everybody on the same page so we're all, you know, heading in the same direction and have that same expectation. Absolutely. And also to look for things that, that, and I think we've all done this, but certain things, look for patterns. There might be a pattern. Um, that might be happening. I know our customer service looks for it in terms of fraud, right, the same member who does things. Or on the flip side, are we getting a whole bunch of inquiries for missing, missing orders um, because the, this, the, um, the uh, SID didn't track mm-hmm. or what have you, and is that then an issue that the network can address or the advertiser should address? So um, sometimes the, those issues can be symptoms of a bigger problem. Right. Well, it's about that time we've... Done our uh, full afternoon here. I just want to thank you guys, uh, Mary Beth and Sandrine, for coming on the call today. And I think it's really important to, to look at all sides of, of loyalty marketing. And it's, it's, I think it's been a pretty nice, balanced discussion today on some of the benefits, concerns, and, and opportunities. So thanks for joining. No, you're thank welcome. You very I appreciate yes, thank you very much for the opportunity. All right, so we'll see you guys next week for Affiliate Marketing Today. You can also catch the recorded archives at uh, webmasterradio.fm. You can subscribe to us at iTunes, or you can listen to us on your cell phone through the MobileCast network. If you have any questions, concerns, or ideas for future shows, please contact Brian and I at podcasts at cj.com. Have a great one. 